Good morning. <clears throat> Good morning. You guys see those kids running out of here? It's like they're giving away candy or something. Maybe we should go check out what's going on back there. Well, we're in Exodus chapter 10 this morning. If you have your Bible, feel free to, to go there. This morning we're talking about how one mother changed the world. Exodus chapter 10. The lady I'm talking about is Jochebed. So graduates, if you're looking for a, a beautiful name, you know, 5, 10, 15 years down the road when you have a little girl, Jochebed's pretty epic, but uh, I'm just kidding, guys, just kidding. All the girls are like, <laughs> I'm trying to think about finishing school. Jochebed, we know she had... Miriam, the oldest, Aaron, and Moses. And here we come to the eighth plague. We've been going on a journey through the book of Exodus, for those of you that are a guest today. And Exodus means a way out, a rescue. And God gave his people a way out of Egypt. The eighth plague is locusts. And God shows his power over the Egyptian god of storms and disorder, Seth is his name, which is a biblical name, but the enemy stole that name. Seth. Let's see what happens. We're going to read verses 1 through 6, and then later on we'll follow up and finish out verses 7 through 20. Please stand with me in honor of reading of God's Word, if you are physically able. Exodus chapter 10, verse 1. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go into Pharaoh, for I have hardened his heart, and the heart of his servants, that I may show these signs of mine among them, and that you may tell in the hearing of your son and of your grandson how I have dealt harshly with the Egyptians, and what signs I have done among them, that you may know that I am the Lord. So Moses and Aaron went into Pharaoh and said to him, Thus says the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, How long will you refuse to humble yourself before me? Let my people go, that they may serve me. For if you refuse to let my people go, behold, tomorrow I will bring locusts into your, your country, and they shall cover the face of the land, so that no one can see the land. And they shall eat what is left to, what is left to you after the hail. And they shall eat every tree of yours that grows in the field, and they shall fill your houses and the houses of your, all your servants and of all the Egyptians, as neither your fathers nor your grandfathers had seen from the day they came on earth to this day. Then he turned and went out from Pharaoh. Father, in these moments, would you speak? God, would you hide me behind the cross for your glory? God, we are so grateful for your presence here. And it's a privilege to come worship you on this day. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. The eighth plague. Our first point is, the Lord wants the whole earth to know that he is the Lord. Graduates, that's the purpose of your life. Did you know that? To, to know the Lord and to make him known. That's why you're here on the earth. Church, that's why we're here. To know the Lord, to, to, to live and breathe for the glory of God. And the reason that God continues to be patient, the reason God continues to show power over Pharaoh is so that all the earth 
will know that he is the Lord. That's why this morning in Indonesia, there are people that got in a canoe and they got their paddle out and started paddling for miles to make it to a different island so they could go worship. That's why this morning in Peru, a huge crowd of people piled onto one little jeepney and drove up through the mountains to find their church to go worship the Lord. That's why in India, there were senior adults that walked five miles this morning to church. Why? Because the Lord is worthy of all of our praise and all of our worship. That's why we're on the earth. And the Lord, he wants everyone on all the earth to know that he is the Lord. He doesn't want anyone to perish, but all to come to repentance. Verse 2, God tells Moses that you may tell in the hearing of your son and of your grandson how I have dealt harshly with the Egyptians and what signs I have done among them that you may know that I am the Lord. The Lord asked Moses to tell Pharaoh these very words many times in the previous chapters in Exodus, explaining the purpose of the plagues. But now, here in chapter 10, God reminds Moses of this same message. He tells this to Moses and the Israelites. Exodus chapter 6, verse 7 says, I will take you to be my people, and I will be your God, and you shall know that I am the Lord, your God, who has brought you out from underneath the burden of the Egyptians. In the Psalms, it writes, Among the gods there is none like you, Lord. No deeds can compare with yours. All the nations have been made and will come and worship before you, Lord. They will bring glory to your name, for you are great and do marvelous deeds. So one, the first truce we see here in Exodus chapter 10 is that God wants us to know him. He wants the whole earth to know him. Do you know him today? Do you know the Lord? Not do you know about him, do you know religion, or you know it about Baptists or Methodists or Catholicism? Do you know Jesus? Do you know the one that created the earth? He knows you. He wants to have a relationship with you this morning. Our next point is that the Lord raises up the humble and he opposes the proud. Verse 3. Check it out. So Moses and Aaron went into Pharaoh and said to him, Thus says the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, How long will you refuse to humble yourself before me? Let my people go that they may serve me. Pharaoh was the opposite of humility. Let's think about this mother that changed the world, Jochebed. I believe that she epitomized humility. Why do, why do I believe that? Well, 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14, famous verse that we've all heard. If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. I believe it was Jochebed that was crying out for the Lord for deliverance. She was crying out. She was praying, Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, are you going to do anything about this injustice? God, are you there? Do you hear me? And I believe she prayed that over her children. God, if you can, if you can use these little ones to be a part of your grand picture, God, do it. She gave up her children. She shot out her arrows out of her quiver. I want to say to all the mothers and grandmothers of the graduates and dads today, some of you are really nervous about this. And uh, I want to tell you that the Lord is with you. 
And the nest is not empty because you're still there and God's still there. And I want to encourage you to push them out of the nest and to send them out. They're going to fall down and they're going to get hurt and their heart's going to get broken. But that's what godly parents do. They send them out into the world to be a part of God's sovereign plan. Why else do, what, what makes Jochebed so special? Why do we think she's humble? Because the truth in God's word says that he raises up the humble and he opposes the proud. Listen to these verses. Job chapter 5, verse 11. So that he sets on high those who are lowly and those who mourn are lifted to safety. Proverbs twenty nine twenty three. A man's pride will bring him low, but a humble spirit will obtain honor. Luke chapter 1, verse 52, says he has brought down rulers from their thrones, but he has exalted the humble. Luke chapter 14, verse 11, says for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and the one who humbles himself will be exalted. 1 Peter 5, verse 6, says humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, so that in due time he may exalt you. Jochebed, she could care less about her glory. She could care less when she went to go worship. She didn't go telling people, showing all her Sunday school stickers off. She didn't go to church talking about how long she's been a Baptist. She didn't go to church talking about all the things that she's done and all the scriptures she's memorized. No, she went in humility. And what a privilege to know that here in chapter 10, Moses and Aaron are going before Pharaoh And we don't know if Jochebed is still alive in these days, but regardless, she found out about it. And how cool is it to know that her kids, you know, mothers, you think your kids are special. Her kid's name is in the book, the Bible. And mothers, today, your kids' names can be written in the Lamb's Book of Life. But the point is, it's not about any of us. It's about the Lord. And graduates, I want to encourage you. This next semester, maybe you're going to school, maybe you're going to go to work. I know some of those big questions you always get asked. I know they put pressure on you. And you know, the Lord, he's not asking you any of those questions. He's just simply saying, follow me. He's got a plan greater than anything you could fathom. A plan to use you for his glory. Some of you are not going to go to college And you're going to make a whole lot more money than all the people that do. And if you go to college or whether you stay home, I want to encourage you, this semester, find a group of believers and be faithful. If it's a Tuesday night BCM, go and be all in. Be No matter, final exam next day, who cares? Go to, if you study, not at the last minute, that doesn't need to be any excuse to not go to BCM or to Tuesday night worship service. Or go to church. Well, finals are coming up. I can't go to church. Really? I mean, that's the most lame excuse I've ever heard. So, uh, college students that you're now going to be, if you're going to college or if not, uh, young adults, don't let anything keep you from walking with the Lord. If it's an unhealthy relationship, cut them loose. Friend, let me tell you, when God says no to something, he's saying yes to something better. God reserves the best for those that leave the choice up to him. So let's think about Jochebed really quick. Church, hear this. If the Lord was going to do something spectacular 
for the entire world to hear about it. He was going to need some children that were raised knowing that God is God alone, and they are not. And anyone who was prideful would compromise the mission. The mission was to, for God to gain glory over Pharaoh. The Exodus was a big deal. It was a big miracle, even in the terms of the Bible. It was a massive undertaking. It was not man-sized. It was God-sized. And so many times we are so consumed with what men and women can do for the Lord. It is nothing in compared to what God can do. Jochebed raised her children, I believe, to know that. That God could do increasingly more than anything they could ever fathom or imagine. In Habakkuk, God, Habakkuk chapter 1, God spoke to his prophet. And he says, in verse 5, Look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed. For I'm going to do something in your days that you will not believe, even if you were told. Then in the next chapter, he says in verse 14, For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the water covers the sea. So God didn't choose Jochebed and her crew, her fam. God didn't choose them because of all the degrees they had. He didn't choose them because of how smart they were. God chose them because they were humble and they were available and they feared him. The world would have chosen the mom who's on Oprah, had the perfect hair, making millions of dollars from her house. God chose Jochebed's crew because she was godly and humble. It was Jochebed that, away from the church house, taught her children about the faith of Abraham. She talked, perhaps, about the compromise when Lot made a compromise and his wife and the sin in Sodom and Gomorrah. She taught them to fear the Lord. Perhaps it was Jochebed that, I'm sure, talked about Noah and the flood and how to fear God. She talked about how God's slavery uh, for Joseph. Joseph was sold into slavery. For 10 years, college students, Joseph's best years, I mean, his most studly years, when he was in the best shape of his life, when he was supposed to be living his dreams in his 20s, you know where he was? In prison. Oh, that, that's so sad. Well, the reason he was in prison, because God was, had something larger than his life going on. God was doing something so much larger than what Joseph could have ever fathomed. And God used Joseph to save the nation of Israel. Jochebed sacrificed. She poured her life into her children, and it changed the world. Graduates, we are like turtles on a fence post. We didn't get there alone. All of us are like turtles on a fence post. Let's continue to read verse 7. Verse 7, Exodus chapter 10. Then Pharaoh's servant said to him, How long shall this man be a snare to us? Let the men go that they may serve the Lord their God. Do you not yet understand that Egypt is ruined? So Moses and Aaron were brought back to Pharaoh, and he said to them, Go, serve the Lord your God, but which ones are to go? Moses said, We will go with our young and our old. We will go with our sons and daughters and with our flocks and herds, for we must hold a feast to the Lord. But he said to them, The Lord be with you, if ever I let you and your little ones go. 
Look, you have some evil purpose in mind. Verse 11. No, go, the men among you, and serve the Lord. For that is what you are asking. And they were driven out from Pharaoh's presence. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the land of Egypt for the locusts, so that they may come upon the land of Egypt and eat every plant in the land, all that the hell has left. So Moses stretched out his staff over the land of Egypt, and the Lord brought an east wind upon the land all that day and all that night. When it was morning, the east wind had brought the locusts. The locusts came up over all the land of Egypt and settled on the whole country of Egypt, such a dense swarm of locusts as had never been before, nor ever will be again. That's a promise if you're terrified of locusts. That's never going to happen quite that bad. Verse 15. They covered the face of the whole land so that the land was darkened. And they ate all the plants in the field and all the fruit of the trees the hell had left. Not a green thing had remained, neither tree nor plant of the field through all the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh hastily called Moses and Aaron and said, I have sinned against the Lord your God and against you. Now, therefore, forgive my sin, please, only this once, and plead with the Lord your God only to remove this death from me. So he went out from Pharaoh and pleaded with the Lord. And the Lord turned the wind into a very strong west wind, which lifted the locusts and drove them into the Red Sea. Not a single locust was left in all the country of Egypt. But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he did not let the people of Israel go. As I'm reading that, I just started thinking about the fish in the Red Sea. What, what were they thinking? You know, here come all this. They were excited at first, and they kept going, and they probably were nervous. Okay, so verse 7, next truth. The truth will find you out. Pharaoh's servants, his wise men, his magicians, they came to him, and they said, How long shall this man be a snare to us? Let the men go. Do you see that command? They are, they are telling Pharaoh what to do. You do not tell Pharaoh what to do. He is the authority. He is the king. He's the most feared ruler in all the earth. But they're frustrated. See, Pharaoh has been telling everyone that he's God. He is God. He's got the cobra crown. He is the ultimate God in all of Egypt. But the truth will always find you out. See, the wise men discovered that Pharaoh was just a wannabe. He was an imposter. It was a lie. He wasn't a God at all. And they saw with each plague, God showing his power over Pharaoh. Friends, sooner or later, the truth will float to the top. We shouldn't run from the truth. We should run to it. John said in John chapter 8, If you continue in my word and you are truly my disciples, then you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. The Lord is omniscient. He knows the words spoken in secret this week that didn't need to be spoken. He knows the things that we looked at when we're not alone. He knows uh, the false motives of the heart. God sees all of it. And yet, and he sees the thoughts and the words that we say that we don't even say with our heart. And yet, he still loves us madly. He still pursues us. He still wishes to restore, to forgive. He desires to show his mercy in many lives this morning in this worship service. Friend, come to the waters, all who are thirsty. 
The Lord said, if a man is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. Our next point is, and last, final, is that the enemy will always try to divide the family. Notice verse 10. But he said to them, the Lord be with you if ever I let you and your little ones go. Look, you have some evil purpose in mind. No, go the men among you and serve the Lord. For that is what you are asking. Pharaoh, this guy was hard-headed. Moses had clearly, Moses and Aaron clearly told Pharaoh, we need to go worship the Lord. Our wives need to go with us. Our children need to go with us, and our dog, and animals, and our horses, and goats, and sheep, and cattle, and beta fish, or whatever else they had. We're all going to go worship the Lord. But what did Pharaoh do? He tried to distort God's word. He tried to make them compromise. He said, go the men among you. Pharaoh said, just, just the men go. And then he says, for that is what you are asking. No, Pharaoh, that's not what they asked. You see how Pharaoh twisted the truth? How many times does the enemy tempt the men in our culture to go, to leave the family, to leave the children? That is not God's will at all under no circumstance. God has created people so that he has given the family. God desires for every little one to have a mommy and a daddy. That's not politically correct, but that's God's word, and that's God's plan. The enemy will always try to divide the family. I know you don't want to think about this, graduates, but let's just say 15 years down the road, okay? You're going to have a family, probably. Maybe not. Maybe God's going to call you to singleness, and if so, he can use you a whole lot more than he can use you uh, with the whole crew to take care of. But regardless, when you do get that family, if you do, the enemy is going to attack you. He's going to try to divide it. And if you don't know this, you're going to get, the enemy will grab you around the throat and choke you and ruin your life. You better be able to protect your family with the word of God and with the name of Jesus. You're going to have to have the guts to say out loud in your house whenever it gets, the creek gets deep, in the name of Jesus, get out of my house. And as bizarre as that sounds, that's biblical. Pray a hedge around your home. Pray a hedge of protection around your children. Pharaoh had no authority over Israel, yet he was acting as though he did. Pharaoh suspected that if he keep the women and children, that the men would come back. See, Pharaoh, his heart's so hard. He never intended to let them go. And as we close, verse 20 says, But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he did not let the people of Israel go. So I have a question that was posed to me. Why did God harden Pharaoh's heart? 20 times between Exodus chapter 4 and verse 14, It says, Pharaoh's heart was hardened. In chapter 6, though, it says, God hardens his heart. 
So the question we ask ourselves is God hardening Pharaoh's heart? It's a good question. Pharaoh was a wicked man. He did not want to bow down to the Lord. And God could have judged him, which would have resulted in his immediate death. So the Lord could have killed Pharaoh immediately and would have been just in doing so. But God is establishing his name upon the earth. So Pharaoh decided to go against the Lord. He was a rebel. He was rebellious. His heart was rebellious. In chapter 3, God tells Moses that Pharaoh will not let them go unless he is forced to. So here's the answer. The scripture does say that God hardens Pharaoh's heart. But Pharaoh's heart was already hardened. And all he did was let Pharaoh become a horrible warning to others about the stupidity and the foolishness of mankind. Romans chapter 9, verse 14 says this, What shall we say then? There is no injustice with God. Is there? May he never be. God is just. He's the righteous ruler. Ezekiel chapter 33, verse 11 says, As I live, declares the Lord, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but rather that the wicked turn from his way and live. See, it's God's desire for people to repent and come and know him and to have life and life to the full. So if you cry out for mercy, God will give it to you. Pharaoh never did. Pharaoh never cried out for mercy. Pharaoh may have asked, forgive me this one time, God. God, forgive me today so that the locusts will leave, so that the frogs will leave, so that whatever plague would flee. But he never cried out for mercy. And I believe had he would have, God would have given it to him. Just as today, if you cry out for mercy from the Lord, he will forgive you. No matter how dark the days are, no matter how wicked the acts that we have committed against the Lord. Romans chapter 9, verse 17 and 18. Romans 9, verse 17. Says about this exact thing. For the scripture says to Pharaoh... For this very purpose I have raised you up, that I might show my power in you, and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth, so that he has mercy on whomever he wills, and he hardens whomever he wills. Moses was repentant, and God showed mercy on his life. Pharaoh was not. Pharaoh plowed ahead. He didn't hear the warnings. He plugged his ears during the sermon. He didn't pay attention to Sunday school. When the Christian station came on the radio, he's like, didn't want to hear it. Was running hard from God. And this morning, there's people here doing that. Running from the Lord. You know what? God is after you because he loves you. Life's not about doing good and doing bad. Life's about the Lord. Graduates, don't get caught up in works righteousness. Don't get caught up in trying to check all these boxes. When you're born again, you come to know Christ. Your righteousness is credited by faith in the Lord and in the gospel and what Jesus did on the cross. Church, that's the same for us. 
And we can be holy through the eyes of Christ, through, through Christ, not from doing all these good things. We get, God gives us the law to show us our need of him. God gives us the law for our good. Did you know that if we followed all the Ten Commandments, the economy would be phenomenal? You wouldn't have as much stress in your family. The law is for our good and his glory. So God's not against you. God doesn't want to take our fun away. God is the creator of fun. God created humor. He created nature. God created football through people. I love football. And so now, as we come to a time of close by our invitation, and on this Mother's Day, I want to say a quick word about this. I know this can be a heavy day, okay? I have mothers in my life that are in heaven with the Lord. Uh, people that have been mothers to me and my, one of my grandmothers. And, and many people here, that, that's the case. And so for, it's possible for this day just to be sour and sad. And I just want to say that, friend, because of the gospel, we can have hope in today. Life's what you make it. If you decide today's going to be gloomy for you, you're going to have a gloomy day. But because Jesus rose from the grave and he is alive today, and he sits at the right hand of the Father, there's hope in the gospel, and you can put a smile on your face walking out of these doors, and you can turn your radio up on the way home and praise the Lord, and it maybe even shout. Jesus saves. And he can use the broken things in our lives to teach us, to remind us. Many people are here this morning, and your mother's in heaven. And to honor her today, you could listen, replay the things that she taught you. Listen to all the things that she sowed into your heart. Listen to her example. If you really want to honor your mother, then you'd listen to them. Pay attention to what they're saying. Mom knows best. Graduates, what an honor to graduate. What, what an exciting time in your life. But when you bring that spouse home, that spouse, when you bring that candidate home, when you bring that girl back, to, back home on Thanksgiving, you better not get married before you talk to mom and dad about it. When you bring them home, look, if your mom, after, after you know, the girlfriend or boyfriend goes back home or whatever, and then you ask your mom, hey, what do you think about so-and-so? If your mom says this, well, she's sweet. She's sweet. She's pretty. You need to take her back, that girl back where you found her. <laughs> young, uh, young ladies, if you ask your dad about the young man you bring home, hey, dad, what do you think about this guy? I really like him a lot. A godly dad's going to be gentle, right, dads? Be gentle. I've had, I've learning to be more sensitive with my daughter than my son. It's amazing. If your dad says, well, he's handsome, seems like a great guy, smart, funny. If, he, if your dad says that on the first time, that's okay. That's what he's supposed to say. But if you bring the guy back around and your dad continues to say those things, Take that guy back where you found him. God has given your parents, even 
even if they don't know Jesus, I believe, God has given parents a special discernment for their children. And when your mom, when you ask your mom or your dad about that person, and they light up and they're really excited about it, that's a good, that's a good thing, okay? So keep going down that road and God will continue to affirm it over and over and over and over. Don't forget I said that. that isn't that like in life with everything, church? God affirms his will. He wants us to know what he wants us to do. To buy that house, to pursue that job, to be a part of a different church. God will always show us what he wants us to do. So what are you going to do this morning with this text? What are you going to do? How are you going to respond to the God of the Old Testament and the New Testament? Let's pray.